Welcome to Why Though. We're your hosts, Tiffany Bloom and Ashley Abercrombie. We land somewhere in between Mother Teresa and Biggie Smalls, and we're just wondering, why though? We all have questions, from our existential crisis curiosities to our, hey girl, why your eyebrows look so good though? And we want to tackle all of those questions with you. Welcome back to Why Though. We are so glad that you guys are with us for the second episode of the Love is the Resistance series. I am so excited about the book that is coming out soon. And if you're listening to this later, it may have already come out, but I'm so excited about this book. And last week, you got a little taste of it by listening to the chapter, first chapter. I'm sorry for all the fumbles. If you get the audiobook, it will actually be, you know, nice and clean and streamlined for you. <laughs> and today we're going to be talking about something that is near and dear to my heart and also something that we can start very lighthearted with because I have the best story to tell you guys and that is <laughs> bad apologies I think Ooh. there are so many of them in the world you guys and oh I write gosh, this so whole many. chapter about language and how important language is and why language matters and how important it is the way we speak to each other the way we talk to each other online and in real life and why that matters but I was thinking about bad apologies yesterday <laughs> we're going to talk about one from the book but during this um, stressful time one of the things that I I've been doing is um, watching Real Housewives of New York. And I just started doing this because <laughs> usually I'm like, I'm team Atlanta for life. It's the only one that I have ever really watched. I love Nini. Um, I love the women of the Atlanta episode. Tardy for the party, for those who remember her, like all the things that are so hilarious. And I, I turned on New York. I had a bunch of like letters to write, handwritten cards to write yesterday. And so I just watched a bunch of episodes. And these girls have 99 problems. They have a hundred and million, you know, <laughs> things of drama that they need to deal with. They fight with each other all the time and they pretend like nothing, everything is fine. And what they decided to do is host this little tea. Like everybody's, get, you know, doing crazy things all the time. And then they decided to have a tea that would be like a peace tea between all of them. And so they sit down for this this tea and they spent a ton of money to do, you know, to rent out this space in Manhattan and then, you know, set oh up gosh. scones and get the teas ready and all these beautiful things. They come in with the most ridiculous hats, which are beautiful on the British, by the way, but are not lovely on Americans in Manhattan. <laughs> Just doesn't look right. Something's wrong. We about love it. you, United Kingdom. We <laughs> love, love you. <laughs> it suits you. It does not suit it us. Suit it you. doesn't. We look ridiculous at parties with that. And so they're sitting there doing all this stuff. And I just thought to myself, like, look at this, like, this is what the church does we have so many problems we don't want to deal with so we host an event we're like let's have an event <laughs> and gather the people together for prayer let's do a worship night let's do a conference let's do a panel on racial reconciliation let's do you know and nobody wants to do the hard work of of really making amends of actually giving an apology of actually saying you know what i'm sorry and i'm going to own that bad behavior and not only am i going to own it but i'm going to change it i'm going to make it different yeah. because i can yeah. see that it's hurting you or That's that it's good. harming you and so I feel like yeah. as on a whole, what human beings don't love to do is that that daily discipline of change and the, the requirement within a relationship to build trust, which is if you hurt me, I'm going to make the change. You know, if you, if you hurt me, I expect you to make a change. And if I hurt you, I will make the change. And I think bad apologies is just such a wonderful place to start when it comes to poor language. And, you know, language matters because when we don't deal with our crap, 
you know, it comes out sideways in little comments. It comes out in different ways that we do relationship. It comes out in the way we bury ourselves to avoid conflict, the way that we, you know, choose to work or overwork or ignore issues or sweep them under the rug. Like all of these things can be indicators that we are ignoring something. It could be something in a relationship. It could be something going on with us emotionally. But I think we tend to just, we don't want to deal with any of that, Tiff. It's just a thing that we do. It's, we'd rather put on a big fancy hat and eat mm-hmm. her scones. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, this starts so young. You know, we both have little little kids and, and boys of age where apologies need to be made. And I, I got a kid who would rather fight to the death than admit he did something wrong mm. and admit that he needs to change. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm just like, buddy, this is the secret to life. Like, right. admitting that you're wrong and, and owning it and moving yeah. on and responsibility. And we even, girl, we got that responsibility chart. Yes. They get a signature every time they take responsibility. I'm trying to praise owning your stuff and know, and saying, you know what, I, I got it wrong. Humility. Humility is in short supply. One thing I also want to point out that you brought out so perfectly is when there is something hard, we'll do a panel or we'll do a worship night or, or we'll do whatever in that Christian context. And that's not two-way communication. That is, that is a presentation, if you will. So that's not an opportunity where conversation can come up and you can bring those things to the surface and have that back and forth. And that's what's necessary. That's what's necessary is not showmanship, but, but repentance really. Yes, that's it. Like it literally boils down to repentance. And I think that the capacity to change within a relationship is so important. And there's nothing in our media that cultivates that. There's nothing, you know, people don't write songs about how it's good to apologize and make things right in relationships. You know, like Mm. nobody, nobody centers a drama around, you know, a good nature relationship. Maybe Madam Secretary is the closest. You know, I'm about to say Madam Secretary. You knew, (laughs) you knew. I was like, don't you dare touch madam. Right. Don't you do it. <laughs> oh, I love her. And, you know, but even then they, they do have conflicts, but it's like their relationship yeah. is so healthy. I think most people just can't relate on a real practical <laughs> level. <laughs> and so I have this chapter in the book called Language Matters that I can't wait for you guys to read because, Oof, you know, juicy. I'm talking about you know, AOC, who I I find to be, I admire her. And I also find her to be a very polarizing character. Whenever her name comes up, you know, depending on the dinner table that you're sitting at, you know, Mm -hmm. there could be the conversation could go one way or the other. And I talk about her and her connection with one of of the representatives in Congress, um, Representative Yoho. And he made a, a very, very derogatory comment towards her because he disagreed with her policies on policing. You know, they are on the the exact opposite end of the camp when it comes to how to navigate this next season season of policing in America. And he was very upset with how she presented herself. And afterwards, as they were standing on the steps of the Capitol, he just called her a slur and then kept walking. And so she called him out on it and, you know, made it very public. And then he had to apologize. And he stands up and gives one of the worst apologies I think I've ever heard. He starts with, you know, how he's a man of God. (laughs) Which really, like, what does that have to do with anything, you know, because he wants to paint a a picture of his image. So he's Mm -hmm. less concerned with his integrity and very much concerned with his image and how this is going to look for him. Not his actions. Not Not his his actions. actions. His image. His image. Correct. And so they, you know, he stands up and he gives this apology. He throws God all up in the mix. And then, you know, she again calls him on it. And I thought it was so powerful because, you know, the, the Bible talks about how we should not take the Lord's name in vain. And I remember growing up and assuming that that meant 
a cuss word, you know, one that starts with God and ends with it, <laughs> right? Like, and that mm-hmm. is the sum total of that commandment. But what that commandment actually means is people who use God's name That's for right. their benefit, to build mm-hmm. their image, to build, you know, who they are and, and to do things in the name of the Lord that actually have nothing to do with God. And yeah. I thought that that was a really powerful example of a time where someone who maybe is a Christian decided to use that as his way of garnering, you know, relational capital with the people mm-hmm. that he's connected to. And yeah, it's like that happens all the time. Compromised, don't Absolutely. I guess it is. I wholeheartedly agree with that. And I was appreciative that, you know, AOC in this particular case decided not to do it. So when you ask that question, like, what about language? You know, is language violent? Is it important how we speak to each other? Is it important how we talk about each other? Is it important, you know, that we control ourselves when we talk about these polarizing characters who are in, you know, the the media, in politics, in, in all these different spaces of society? Is it important how we talk about them? And can Christians say any old thing they want to say? Mm. <laughs> you know, in a world that values free mm. speech, can Christians say anything they want to say? <laughs> One of the things that I really enjoy that you talk about this in your real life, you've mentioned this on the podcast, and of course you really pull it um, pull it together and, and dive into it and zero in on so many issues within the book of this idea of, oh, they're just being politically correct, or they're just being, you know, you, you don't need to say those things, you don't need to ap- appeal to that way of thinking, as if um, you're just being PC if you try to be respectful, like that's equated mm-hmm. with respect, but to, to tell it, quote unquote, tell it like it is, means mm-hmm. to just say what you want to say and you don't need mm-hmm. to be like that and you can just sh- be a straight shooter. So it's equating mm-hmm. one with like authenticity and the other right. one with respect and, and putting those at the opposite end of the spectrum. And you know, the passage that comes to my mind is let your gentleness be evident to all. Mm-hmm. Like let your gentleness be mm-hmm. evident to all. I'm not bound by this, the idea of being politically correct or a straight shooter. That's not the paradigm. That's not the binary. I'm correct. operating him as a father of Jesus. Right. And so I, I just love how you, you pull all that out and you're like, nobody gets to hide behind this. There's no excuses right. here. Yep. Uh, we don't, we don't, this is not, this is not what we're called to. Also, what a low freaking bar. Do you know what I'm saying? Like what a low Completely. bar. That's all we're asking people to do. Completely. I wholeheartedly agree. And I think about Ephesians four all the time. And I talk about this online quite a bit on my social, social channels, but you know, the Lord talks about, you know, to not let any unwholesome talk come out of our mouths. And that's deeply convicting to me. Like, I'm not sitting here saying, you know, everyone listening to this needs to get their act together. or Everyone who isn't listening to this needs to get their act together. It's like when you boil it down to don't let any unwholesome talk come, come out of on. your mouth, none come of on. us come would on. be found, you know, innocent. That's right. That's <laughs> James right. talks about the tongue being this tiny, tiny little rudder that steers this huge, massive ship and has the capacity to destroy things. And so this tiny little thing that's part of our body has the capacity to hurt and wound others. And AOC was talking about in her um, response and kind of her rebuttal to his apology, you know, she was basically talking about like, hey, I, none, none of this language that you spoke to me is unfamiliar. Because I have walked the streets of New York City. I have worked in a restaurant and waited tables. Like she basically just confirmed what most women know, which is that as we walk down the street, someone cat calls us, someone makes comments about our body, somebody, you know, says a name when we don't calls us a name when we don't respond to their maybe advances or the way that they speak to us and they don't like that we didn't respond or they don't like that we told them, you know, to leave us alone. And so they have a response to that. And women know what this feels like. And so she also was making this larger case of like, hey, not only is what you said not surprising, 
it's not a good apology, but it's also not a, not surprising. And she made the case that he didn't do it alone. He was walking next to another congressman who also laughed and mm. did not confront him. Oh, and so when you think about these things, like we allow as Christians, not only do we have to hold ourselves accountable, you know, let, let your gentleness be evident to all. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Remember what the tongue can do to the body, yes. to the, the, yes. the life that you're trying to steer. Remember what it can do. But it's also saying like, hey, we have a responsibility here to keep each other accountable and to not allow one another to destroy each other on the internet, in real life, at the dinner table. We actually have a responsibility for the way that we use our words. And without realizing it, we can perpetuate a culture that devalues certain people. Maybe it devalues women. Maybe the culture that you're in devalues immigrants. Maybe the culture that you're in devalues children. Maybe the culture that you're in devalues on and on and on the list goes. And so we have to really start evaluating, what do I allow to be okay in my family? And what do I allow to be okay in my church? And what do I allow to be okay at the water cooler in my workplace? And to really be thoughtful about our part is so important. I really love the one-two step that's happening here. The first, the one-two step, thank you, Sierra. We love you so much. Thank you for also living in the Pacific Northwest. We know that you probably don't love it here, but you're here because Russell, but we love you. But uh, one of the things I love about this is the first step is consider your own conduct. And the second is keep people accountable, even if it makes you feel uncomfortable. Yes. Like this is, this is how we stop riffraff. You know what I'm saying? Like this is how we... We, we are perpetuating with our silence. It's a sin of omission, quite frankly. Yes, it is. And I want, I want you all to know, I'm like deeply convicted right now, so I'm feeling rather challenged. This isn't, you know, the Tiffany Ashley show. We're like, here's what you're doing wrong. No, we're in it. Like, we, this is a we issue. Mm-hmm. And um, Ashley's hitting me straight between the eyes, too, right now, y'all. So we're, <laughs> we're all in this together. Uh, but I just love that this is not a one-step process. It really right. is a two-step process. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's both internal and external. And it, it really, it, and, and when, when we think of changing the world and bringing heaven to earth, did you know it starts with stuff like this? Y'all? Yes. Correct. Like it's not this big grandiose, here's what I'm doing. No, this is just the ordinary faithfulness of showing up to your own life mm-hmm. and architecting the world toward goodness. Yes, that is it right there. And I think that we often skip over that part, you know, mm, I think yeah. there was a couple years ago, you know, Eugene Cho, a pastor that we both respect, wrote a great oh, yeah. book about i can't remember the title of it do you remember the one that had the superman on the cover not that one that's his most Um, recent one it's not Um, waiting for superman is it no no it had like a superman on the cover but it was basically the idea was like hey look we're not all superheroes like the goal is not to be a hero here like that is not why you're here on the earth to be the savior of the earth or to be this big hero and I love that thought because I think back then it was, and it's this still happens, of course, but I think we've gotten out of it as people are moving away from faith communities and moving away from parachurch ministries and hopefully we'll return there, but that's kind of what's happening right now. But formerly it was cool to be in the church and try to be a hero and try to be a mm-hmm. savior or to start a nonprofit or to like be doing all this incredible justice work, like all these acts that we were all doing without mm-hmm. having like real tangible heart change. And I think that we do tend to do that. We're like, oh my gosh, I really want to help you know, people who are in poverty, but we don't think about the kid who's in our kid's school, or we don't think about the neighbor who lives next to us, who is raising his kids on his own or her kids on her own and what we could do right there. And maybe they're not in poverty. I know plenty of single parents who have a lot of money. So that wasn't to say that, you know, every person who parents by themselves doesn't have resources. 
But what I am saying is people need support and people need help. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we want to skip right over that. Or we're like, I would love to go be a missionary in Latin America, or we'd love to go be a missionary in Africa, or I'd love to be a missionary in Asia. But we skip right over our own biases and our own prejudices and our own racism that's right here at home. And so I think we're very often, you know, again, trying to shirk the daily work. And I Mm -hmm. think that it's so important for us as believers. The Bible talks about this. It says that we should strive to live peaceful and quiet lives. And I think we've just gotten away from the daily and gotten away from, you know, these practices and rhythms that we need to return to that actually do what Tiffany just talked about. They make a difference across a lifetime. They make a difference in the space that we're in. And that is where the focus needs to be more so than what can I do out there that will solve this problem that I have here at home? It's like, no, part of you know, confrontation is saying, I have a problem at home and I'm going to deal with this. <laughs> yes. In your research, I'm curious, did you come across, is this like a Western idea? Like I need to go start something. Is it, is this, do you see this in the Eastern Christian tradition? I'm just so curious. Like, yeah. cause you're right. Like there is such a, like you, you hit the nail on the head. Like I'm going to go start a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go start this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go do this. And it's a lot of formal programming rather Mm -hmm. than ordinary every day I'm going to just incorporate this in my lifestyle versus treat it between the hours of you know two and three on Thursdays I do this but versus making it more of like not that that's not in your lifestyle but or or in your the rhythm of your week but this idea of that this isn't separate from me I'm not going to compartmentalize this this is just going to be part of my identity right I'm just curious or is it just the celebrity culture we have here and we praise the heroes P.S. Yeah. The, the Eugene Cho book was called Overrated. There it is. Bam. It Thank is. you. <laughs> um, you know, I don't know because I don't feel like I, I researched enough in terms of, you know, what's happening in Eastern and Western cultures. But what I did look at and reevaluate is like, honestly, in some religions, they do this so much better. Like, oh. you know, they have... If you travel to different places and see how people live on a local level, like what that looks like is so different, you know? Like Mm. we just have so much access to social media. We have ideas and we are fed ideas about who's cool and who's doing the right things and who is the superstar Christian. And we still carry, and I think this is probably a global thing too, because, you know, we still carry this idea that we can climb some ladder to get somewhere and it will make us significant and it will make us successful and it will make people love us. And I think that Mm -hmm. can happen in any country in the world world. And, you know, we see it, I think, more in the Western church than we do in other places. But for sure, I think human beings, we we have been fed this bill of goods that says, you know what, I'm supposed to climb this ladder. I talk about this later in a different chapter that we'll talk about, because this is really true when it comes to class and poverty, because we are taught that, you know, that poor is bad or Mm. that, you know, having a certain amount of money is bad. And And that's not actually accurate. There's nothing biblical about it. There is nothing in scripture that says that you must have X amount of money or do X amount of things in order for you to find God's favor or find God's love or find God's grace or to be rooted in community and have a beautiful life. And so we've just been fed this lie, you know, by all this language, (laughs) by all this propaganda that teaches us who we're supposed to be in the world. And the real resistance is going, God, who do you say I should be in this world? What does your word say to me, God, what do you think is significant? And how do I resist this hurry? And just uh, about a month ago, this has got me on a tangent. I'm sorry about that. But just a month ago, Carol, go. Yeah, I was um, sitting with God. And, you know, there's this passage of in Isaiah that I've always really loved. And for those of you who are a little bit unfamiliar with the Old Testament prophets, the minor and majors, they can be a little, I don't know, in your face and weird. Like, to be honest, they're very (laughs) weird. And for whatever reason, from the time I started following God as an adult, they were my like, I was 
the books that came alive for me. And so God brought me back to this passage in Isaiah 30 that talks about how in repentance and rest will be your salvation and in quietness and trust will be your strength. And then he says, but you would have none of it. And so Mm. I backed up a bit to the beginning of the chapter and it basically talks about how, you know, we as people tend to, you know, he's talking to the people of God, he's talking to Israel, but I think this across the board, we tend to still do this today. He talks about how they were trusting in, you know, the world around them. They were not trusting in God. They were making plans and going down to do them, but God wasn't in them and God didn't tell them to do them. And they were charging hills and doing all these things in the name of God that God never even told them to do. And so they were trusting and trying to like create this life of success, of significance that looked like the world around them. And so they were following after all these different ideals. They were doing the things that they thought would make them cool and successful that they saw other people doing, that they saw the leaders of the world doing, that they saw the government people doing instead of just going, wait a minute, what does God say? And God's success, that success is in repentance and rest will be your salvation and in quietness and trust will be your strength, but you would have none of it. And so I felt so strongly the Lord speaking to me about that. Like what, how are we all trying to set up our life and who are we comparing ourselves to? And why do we do this? And what is, you know, the hustle and bustle that we bring to the life? And some of that, you know, I believe ambition is holy. We've had many mm-hmm, conversations mm-hmm. about this. Like, Tiffany, we are not shy about ambition. Like, we <laughs> love, it's holy unto God. Like, you know, work is purposeful and good. But I think it's it's important for us to go, wait a minute, who has formed all these ideas in my mind? And when I think about AOC, who formed that? And when I think about the way I worship God, who formed that? Yes, and when I think yes. about my hurry, the way I'm hurried in my life, even if even if you're not that busy, but you're hurried in your mind, you know, where does that come from? And who taught it to you? And why do you do it? And why does that feel like it's going to bring you a level of significance and success or relational capital with others? And I think if we stop to really evaluate these, these things, we can understand how language has formed us and how powerful, like the book of James talks about, that tiny little rudder really is. Oh my goodness, girl. I'm on the floor. I'm on the floor. <laughs> I need a sweat towel to wipe all that. I, I, I just want to go back to what you said. It, oh man, that passage. If you don't mind, could we, could you, could, for our closing, could you read that again in a minute? Uh, but I, this idea of repentance and rest, those aren't things you hear together, Ashley. Like, the idea if mm-hmm. you wake up and you're like, what do I need to repent of and how do I lean into rest? Can you imagine who you'd be, yep. y'all? Can you imagine the the, the character, the formation yes. that would develop, yep. how you would treat others, how you would commune with the divine? Mm-hmm. J- just think, if you were willing to question all of those influences that's built you into who you are and say, you know what? How has capitalism influenced how I'm thinking about people? Language, yeah. as you said, and class, money. poverty. And money, yeah, yeah, how has uh, uh, the people I like and the way they live their lives, yep. the way, the language they use, the people they follow, the way they vote, the way they spend their money, you know, the way they do everything. H- how has that influenced me? Perhaps your, uh, your church culture, is there something there that's not of God? I'm not saying throw the baby out with the bathwater. I'm just saying be willing to consider. I'm the kind of gal that didn't really question much. And I got myself, as you can tell Mm -hmm. from my last book, I got myself in deep into something I shouldn't have that was highly toxic because I didn't question. 
Right. Because so that wasn't my bent. And, and, and it was, it really was my downfall. And so I, when we're in that uh, position of repentance, when we're willing to look through, not, not with criticism, but with a critical eye, yes. that's a very healthy place to yes. operate, allowing the Holy Spirit to do what he set out to do in your life, to, to advocate, to comfort, to process, to assess. Yes. Uh, this weekend, I've been mulling on this idea shared with my faith community are your is your discontent leading to holy desires are you doing something because you want someone to like you because you're just trying to avoid pain you're trying to numb not because you really want to be healed and whole and go to bless others like why yeah. are you doing what you do right but as we talk about language as we go as we boil us down to what of what we're here to talk about language i think that we must be aware because even as you said resist excuse me resistance is obviously the the the, the bathwater we're swimming in right now but repentance and rest like those words alone that that language alone evokes so much within us and to yes. really sit with that and allow it to do a holy work is so necessary it really is i want to read you guys really quickly from the book because mm. i came across um you know in in doing this chapter on language matters i did a bit of studying about you know hitler and nazi germany and kind of their rise to power and what that looked like and just got a little bit you know off on a tangent with joseph goebbels and um I thought it was so interesting to see, especially in the world that we're living in right now, as I was writing this book in the middle of two very difficult political seasons and thinking through like, how is all this language shaping our mind and watching Christians erupt online and saying, you know, incredibly racist or sexist or, you know, homophobic comments all over the place and recognizing like, oh my gosh, like, why do Christians feel so free to do these things? Why do we feel <sighs> so, why does nobody fear God? You know, like, why mm. does no one fear him? And, and a false confidence, right? Completely. Like this <laughs> completely. Unfounded it, arrogance, yes, not confidence. Arrogance. But that's how they found their significance. That's how they found Ooh. their relationships. It, it is their place they of go, belonging, girl. right? Mm. So we are so created to do this. And I think that, that people who push propaganda know that. They know that when they push us into a camp, even if we're wrong, it's because we can feel like we have a place where we're seen, where we're known, like where we can, you know, experience the world with other people and find a kindredness, even if it's built on hatred. And Joseph Goebbels wrote this, you know, he was the Reich Minister of Propaganda in Nazi Germany. And he said this, no one can say your propaganda is too rough, too mean. These are not criteria by which it may be characterized. It, not, it ought not be decent nor ought it be gentle or soft or humble. It ought to lead to success. Oh my goodness. And this right here is why repentance is so important. And this right here is why rest is so important and why we must return to humility. And I go on to write, the language of hate clothed in plausible deniability is working, is it not? It's destabilizing us and confirming the biases we hold inside as true. News anchors, influencers on social media, pastors, coworkers, friends, and family members put a fresh stamp on thoughts we've already inherited or internalized. I knew it, we think. All Republicans yes. are racist bigots. All Democrats are baby killers. All immigrants want is to steal our jobs. All poor whites are trailer trash. All Black Lives Matter supporters are Marxist. No politician can ever be trusted. Every church and every pastor is corrupt. 
everyone in a service role lives to serve me. If they wanted a living wage or health care, they should just get another job. Their life is messed up because they just need to make better choices. And this is how propaganda leads to success. And this is how harmful ideas and words become truth to us. And then we repeat that junk everywhere we go and call it normal. It leaks out at the dinner table, in a small group, at the water cooler at work, play, during a play date at the park, what we think about ourselves, others, and the world around us matters. And once we are fully decided on our beliefs, it becomes harder to change our minds. It's like buying a car and suddenly seeing that car everywhere. We just keep confirming what we think, whether it's rooted in facts or not. We deny the truth in favor of something that agrees with us. Words shape our world. Mm. Language matters, you guys. Oh, so Freaking good. matters. It <laughs> <laughs> Breaking matters. That's going to be on our next merch, which we don't do. But if we did, we'll send you a digital sticker and it's going to yeah. say language, language freaking, freaking matters. matters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we love y'all so much. Also, y'all, are we spoiled? I know y'all like snapping, clapping in your car, on the treadmill, doing your laundry. I know you're snapping when I said that. We are so spoiled during this series on Love is the Resistance. This is week two. We are only one warming up we got so many more weeks so many more goodies coming but my goodness go ahead go pre-order if you're listening to this before august 31st uh and if it's after august 31st and you're listening go buy one for you and a friend go through it y'all this is the perfect book club book i tell you what this is gonna prompt such conversation healing understanding connection i i can't I can't even imagine a better book for book clubs. And if yeah. you've always been like, I'm not a book club girl, sister, go get a bottle of wine and get your friends and get the book. <laughs> like, how is that not <laughs> the best night of your life? I don't even know. But please, please, you're, you're going to be so richly blessed. So please hit that pre-order because this is, this is a blessing to you. And as you process through this, I know it's going to be a blessing to your world. So we are so, so, so thankful. Ashley, any last words? Nope. I'm just so thankful for you guys' support. And those pre-orders mean everything to an author. And so I'm oh, so grateful that you yes. guys would take a minute to do that. And don't forget, you'll get the free audiobook version, which is read by me. You'll get the video session of the Love is the Resistance course that I created for book clubs or for individual study. And you get this awesome discussion guide. And my beautiful friend Cass at Her True Worth um, made some lock screen images for you guys for mm. the book. So I'm so pumped to be able to gift you all those wonderful things with your pre-order. And they shall not be available afterwards so go over there and get them and Ooh, yeah. i am very excited about this series with you guys uh also she said it but i'm just gonna say it again you guys a free audiobook please are you mm-hmm. kidding me that's like worth it it's like 20 <laughs> bucks worth come on when I, I i know ashley knows this about me but and if anyone offers me a free audiobook i'm like you have my money because me the idea too that i can just let you t- you can just tell me the information i don't have to make time and not you know what i'm saying especially yes. nonfiction. i'm like somebody tell me this and then i want to replay it Ooh. Y'all getting spoiled, so go hit that pre-order. We love you. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey, listeners. Remember to subscribe and comment. It helps others to find the show. To learn more about Tiffany's writing, speaking, or books, visit TiffanyBloom.com. To learn more about Ashley's writing, speaking, or books, visit AshAbercrombie.org. See you next week.